0: But this is Exodus 17, and then I'm going to pray. Uh, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, One on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remain steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's be to God. Let's pray. God, we are incredibly thankful for your word. We come as hungry people ready to eat. We come as thirsty people ready to drink From your word. Father, I pray that through your word, you would correct us where we are wrong, both in our actions and our thoughts. Through the Holy Spirit, may you remind us of things that are true and cast off the lies that our sin tells us or the world tells us. Father, I pray that the word would unify us this morning, that we would sit under its authority. Recognizing that we submit to it, and not us, it submitting to us. Father, I pray for our church and I thank you for this incredibly wonderful group of people that call Redeemer home. I thank you for the visitors as well. I thank you for folks that want to do life alongside each other. To be honest and vulnerable. To pick up each other when we are down to care for one another when we're hurting. And I pray that you would continue to do this work to completion. I pray for those that are hurting in our midst, whether it's physical ailments or financial struggles, housing issues, relationships that have gone south. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're picking up in the middle of Exodus. so. I want to introduce you to a few people. So first we got Moses. Everybody say Moses. Moses. So Moses was the primary leader. He's kind of the one of the big dogs of the Old Testament so of the Israelites in their Exodus from Egypt. He is the leader of God's people wandering around the wilderness. The mediator of the law, meaning that God gave the law to Moses. Moses helps give the law to the people. Mouthpiece of God, he is a central figure in the Old Testament. And now his job is to kind of direct this war with these people who are fighting against God's people. Dude's got a lot on his plate. So then we got Joshua. Joshua, who we meet here for the first time. Uh, who we got any Joshuas in the house? And we got one at least, couple. Yes, you can raise your hand. As a Josh? Here we go. You named after someone incredibly brave. He's ordered to pick men, go out and fight, and he's obedient to the leader in authority over him. Lots of determination, lots of physical courage. He's just kind of down in the valley doing his things. Then we got the Amalekites, and these folks are kind of a fierce um, desert tribe, if you will. They kind of wander around. ...unhappy about the Israelites... Uh, ...kind of coming in... Or ...kind of, kind of, uh, kind of com- coming near them... Um, ...and remember the Israelites are God's people... ...and shortly after the Exodus... ...these folks, the Amalekites... ...fought the people of Israel... ...and now Israel and Israel successfully fought them off... ...and now kind of we're back at it again... ...there's a lot of animosity between these groups... ...so what does the scripture say? It says that these people came... ...and attacked the Israelites... ...Israelites being God's people... And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on top of this hill with my staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as homeboy held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, what happened? They lost. So Moses, we have to understand, Moses is very old at this point. So naturally, his hands grew tired. So they took a stone and kind of put it under him, and he sat on it. Moses' hands grew more and more weary, the weight of his arms exhausting him. Strength is waning. He's running out of it. But fortunately, Moses, he wasn't alone. As the scripture tells us, we have his two guys, Aaron and Hur, with him. You can see this picture up on the screen. So Aaron was Moses' brother, a leader during Israel's early days. Hur was another leader that we don't know as much about, but helped Aaron to judge God's people. While Moses went up to Mount Sinai later in Exodus 24, they're holding up his hands. Joshua and his soldiers overcome this powerful army, and they win. An incredible scene. An incredible story in the Scriptures. As we have been off for these last 12 weeks on sabbatical, one of the things that I knew going into this, it would be an opportunity for some reflection time. For us to kind of take a break and kind of look back. And if you don't... Know me well, which a lot of you are, you know, I have so many new faces. If you don't know me well, I'm not naturally great at reflection. I am a doer. I love a good list. I love, even if I have, like, working on something on the house I forgot to put on the list, I will insert it on the list just to cross it off and delete it. I love accomplishing things. And there's lots of pros to how this happened, or to my, you know, personality with this. But the con is that I struggle to take the time to process but I had the time over these last three months and two things really hit me. The first that hit me is that life can be incredibly hard. When I actually took a step back and processed our own lives, as well as thinking about so many of you, the things that God kind of flooded my mind with were all kind of the difficult things that I had kind of labored through, but just kind of stuffed into a closet because I didn't want to process them. And I thought about all of you all and the things that you guys have walked through. Worries about infertility, stress about money, relationships that have gone south, housing issues, worried about your kids and schooling, friendships that have been incredibly life-giving and then vanished out of nowhere. I think if we're honest, we can all say that we have battles and stresses and difficulties in our lives. The second thing that hit me was that God, in His kindness, has given us other people to walk along with. Amen? Amen. He's given us each other. He's given us friendships to carry us through the difficult times, to lift us up, to encourage us, to hug us, to admonish us, to take care of our kids, to bring us food, and to simply, like Aaron and her, hold up our arms when we could not hold them up ourselves. So there's two things from this passage I want you to see. The first is in the battles of life. We need people. What do we see here? Very clearly, very plainly, we see that as God's people, we've been designed by God to need other people. We see this thinking back to the the Garden of Eden. Who was in the Garden of Eden first? We had Adam, perfect uh, harmony with God, zero sin at all. And what did God say? He said, it is not good for man to be alone. He gave Eve as a companion to Adam. And we see this as a theme throughout the Bible that though that is the healthiest thing for us, it's not always what we choose. I'm going to pop up a graph on the screen here. What I want you to see here, and, and parents can explain this a little bit to your kids maybe. I want you to see here is this is, uh, Washington Post did uh, an article on this, uh, America Time Youth Survey. Uh, is what the source is, but this is the last uh, 10 years, or take away the last two years, so 2013 to 2021. This is the trend that is happening in America with our time with people versus our time by ourselves. I just want you to soak this up. Our time alone, which time alone, not a bad thing. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. He went away to the mountainside, spent time alone. Introverts, gonna get a hand raised, like a little hand for you introverts? Uh, Introverts, You're not wrong for being introverted. It's good for you to have time alone. However, there is something going on, I think, society-wide where we have traded out friendships, traded out vulnerable relationships, traded out being honest and truly with each other. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because social media is a different sermon there. Whatever the reason is. And we have increased drastically our time alone to the expense of our own mental health and well-being. So I read a passage like this, and I'm like, God could have done whatever he wanted to defeat this army. If he said, Moses, go up there, do ten jumping jacks, and then you'll win. You'll, you know, they'll win, he could have done that. He could have said, like, stand on one foot. When you get tired, stand on the other one. Lie on the ground. Break dance. Do whatever you want to do. But he chose... To have Aaron and her come up, hold his hands. Why? Because he wanted to communicate that we need each other. He could have done this whatever way he wanted, but he said, you can't do this alone. And he's saying to us in 2023, you can't do this alone. You cannot raise your kids alone. You cannot... You know, deal with a difficult coworker alone. You cannot do your marriage, fulfill your, your spouse covenant responsibilities apart from community. You cannot go through life. You cannot be faithful with your stewardship of your money if nobody is helping you and encouraging you along the way. We were made to be better together. And Proverbs tells us this, <clears throat> as iron sharpens iron, we literally have to have iron to sharpen the iron like we are made to be with each other let's get a a show of hands here who loves a good trampoline yeah every hand should be raised like if you don't love a good trampoline we have a pastoral time this week we can hang out trampolines are like jet skis nobody frowns on a trampoline and so this is a typical trampoline this that that girl is also headed to the hospital we're not sure what happened in that But this is, we have a trampoline in our backyard, anybody's welcome to come, yes, you've been on our trampoline, haven't you? Yes, Uh, you're welcome, even if we're not home, you can come to our trampoline, we love jumping on our trampoline, it is a great activity, and how trampolines work, if you have been living under a rock for the last 30 years, uh, we have springs along the outside, and your weight, when you jump up, gets down, and you kind of go down as far as you can go, and then pop up because the springs will kind of take your weight and kind of fling you back up in the air. That's how trampolines work. If you're jumping on it alone, then you can jump pretty high. However, let me introduce you to a concept called double bouncing. You might raise a hands, double bouncing? Yes. Moms are like, I, I like this idea, but it gets me a little nervous. When I jump with my kids, they like for me to come out there and I'm like, oh you want to hang out and then like 10 seconds into it they're like you're here to double bounce us. That is my job on the trampoline. And how double bouncing works is that somebody's bouncing in the middle, and the bigger person usually, that's me and our family, will bounce right before they land. I will kind of try to time it to where I am, I am going down, so then they take my weight, uh, you know, pushing the springs down, and they get to benefit from that kind of extra weight and energy and flings them higher in the air. So literally, my presence on the trampoline ensures that they go higher, propelling them higher into the air. I want to see a video of this. Not me, just for the record. But here's a video kind of explaining this. Yeah. is that guy. That is Moses after this after this battle right there. So this video, let's play it again, Caroline. Let's run it back. Um, yeah, somebody, when I played this before, you guys got here, somebody was like, is that you? I was like, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, but no, it's not. Yes. Amazing. So what is happening in that video? What's happening in that video is that the fancy word is kinetic energy. What's happening in that video is that all of those friends are timing that jump perfectly to where they go down at the same time that, you know, the flipping dude uh, goes down. And what, is, what happens to him? Propels him higher and higher in there. He did nine flips on that last one. Somehow that's a world record. not sure who keeps track of that. But... What we see, looking back at Moses, is that the simple fact that in order for the people of God to be successful, he had to accept help. If the dude flipping in that, on that trampoline, if he was out there trying to do his nine somersaults by himself, he would still be jumping on that trampoline. But in order to do that, to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, he needed the help of each other, of his friends. So we find it difficult, though, if we're honest, to really accept help sometimes from our friends. Maybe it's our insecurities or our doubts. Remember that graph, you know, where we are trending in a direction of being alone and not with our friends, where we have to ask ask ourselves the question, do we really believe God's truth that we are better when we are vulnerable with each other? And the beautiful part about this is that kiddos, raise your hand if you're a kiddo in the room, this is one of the many ways that you guys actually lead us, that you're better at this than we are. So often in our own family, our kids are more able to express when they're hurting, when they are struggling. They're more honest with us and their friends, and we are thankful for that. So what do we learn from this? We learn that we need each other, and we also learn that we need, that how to do this, how to live out this call from Scripture is that we meet needs and remind each other of the power and presence of God. The beautiful thing about this is what did Aaron and her do first? They simply got Moses a chair. They simply got him a chair. And so if you're sitting there going, oh, I don't have you know, the spiritual maturity to be a true encourager to another, I think you can get a chair for somebody. I think you could bring a meal to somebody. I think you could offer your car to somebody. You could offer to meet physical needs for other people. And that is a beautiful picture of this is how we are wired and made to need that. But by holding up Moses' hands, these guys weren't just physically caring for him. No, Moses holding up his hands was an act of faith, an act of saying, God, I believe your promises, in a real sense, it was a prayer. And like Leon so beautifully said in the sermon last week, even a feeble prayer is an act of faith. And so what they're doing when they're holding up their hands is not just some weird physical thing. What they're doing is saying, God, I trust that you can accomplish what you have promised to accomplish. But, he, but God's saying, I want you to show that I want you to physically show and, 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 and have an act of faith just like God calls us to pray, just like God calls us to read the Scripture. So our goal in community is, yes, to meet needs, but also, in community, we're telling each other the truth of the Scripture and reminding each other over and over again. So as we head to communion, this is another act of faith. In faith, we're saying that Jesus still forgives us. No matter what happened this week, still forgives us. In faith, we're saying that Jesus still chooses to feed us. But some of you out there, I want to name kids and adults maybe struggling to believe this. You may be, Moses, your hands faltering, crouching down, barely hanging up, barely holding on. And the beautiful thing about this is that just like life, we don't come to the communion table alone. The beautiful thing about this is in community, we are propelling one another forward in faith. The men and women of the church are holding up the arms of each other. So as we head towards the communion table, we hold up the promises of God one uh, to each other. And in this, well, the first part about it is that we simply confess our sins, which in and of itself is an act of faith. We're confessing that we have sinned and fallen short, and trusting that God in his kindness still forgives us. Amen? Amen. All right, let's take a moment and silently confess sin, and then I'll pray for us.